0: You are listening to a sermon by Ted Hamilton, Senior Pastor of New Life Presbyterian Church in Escondido, California. For more information about New Life, visit us online at newlifepca.com. That's N-E-W-L-I-F-E-P-C-A dot com. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. A beautiful Christmas Day. Thank you for spending some of it with us today in worship. Um, if you're able, would you please stand uh, with me for the reading of God's Word. This is from the prophet Isaiah. Words are printed in your bulletin. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Amen. You may be seated. Let's ask for the Lord's help. Guide us, O God, now by your word and the Holy Spirit who is present with us, so that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace. Shalom. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. So, kids, you'll remember this, maybe, in the last battle, right, the final uh, volume in the Chronicles of Narnia series, the good guys, those loyal to the final king of uh, Narnia named Tyrion, they're forced into a small stable on the top of a hill, Uh, And as they go through the the door of the stable, uh, instead of finding themselves inside the stable, they discover that that stable door is actually a portal into a whole new world. Door's still standing there, just the door, and yet they look around, they're in a whole new world. King Tyrion looks back through the cracks in the door from where they just came, and he can see uh, the fire and the, the darkness of, of Narnia's final night, but then he turns around, and now I'm quoting uh, from uh, C.S. Lewis's book, he says, Tyrion looked round again. And could hardly believe his eyes. There was the blue sky overhead and grassy country spreading as far as he could see in every direction. And his new friends all around him laughing. It seems then, said Tyrion, smiling himself, that the stable seen from within and the stable seen from without are two different places. Yes, said the Lord Diggory. Its inside is bigger than its outside. Yes, said Queen Lucy. In our world too. A stable once had something inside it that was bigger than our whole world. I want to talk about that this morning. Consider that reality inside the stable at Christmas that was bigger than our whole world. And of course, that reality was the baby named Jesus. This prophecy we just read from Isaiah uh, was uh, written about 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Uh, nevertheless, it tells us a whole lot about that baby in the stable. And I want to point out four things real quick. The baby, that we're going to learn from this baby that one, Jesus is a gift. Two, that Jesus' appearance deceives us. Number three, uh, that Jesus is what our hearts really desire, what our hearts truly long for. And then number four, that that Jesus isn't boring. So first, Jesus is a gift. You know, at Christmas, of course, we typically sing about and talk about uh, that, uh, the birth of Jesus, and it, that's right and true. Now Isaiah says it right here in verse 6, for to us a child is born. But we often don't, pay as much attention to the second thing, uh, Isaiah says in verse 6 there, uh, to us a son is given, right, it wasn't just that Jesus was born, he was, uh, but perhaps even more surprisingly, amazingly, he was given, right, he's God's gift to us, he's God's gift to you, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Saint Peter, excuse me. Saint Paul talks about, um, says, "Thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift." Yeah, that's Jesus. Um, what's the significance of the fact that Jesus comes to you uh, at Christmas as a gift? That is, of course, what's behind our our gift giving. Why you kids are getting gifts today, or maybe last night, it's because we are remembering that we, we have received this great gift from God in Jesus. What's the significance of the fact that he's a gift? Let me point out three things. First, you know, a gift is unexpected. Uh, a gift, uh, at its best, is a surprise, right? I know some of you uh, discuss the gift, especially you parents. Discuss what you're going to give to each other. So it's, you know, some of the gift, the surprise of the gift loses its edge, right? Because you have a feeling what you're going to get when you open it, because you've discussed it in detail. But the best gifts are a complete surprise, right? Um, And, and Jesus uh, was a surprise. Uh when we think of a savior, when the Jewish nation thought of a savior, you know, this Messiah that God was going to give, they thought of a conquering hero, right? A, a military uh a, a military hero. Uh and yet he came uh as Peter so uh wonderfully reminded us as as a little baby. Uh, who would grow up and and die on a cross. That was not expected. That was a surprise. Uh, But you know, it ought not to surprise us that God surprises us. Uh, God works in ways that are sometimes mysterious and surprising to us. Uh, So that's the first thing. Jesus as a gift is... Is shows us that Jesus is surprising in ways he's unexpected. Um, Second thing uh, about Jesus is a gift. Some of you here have been here at New Life long enough to remember our founding pastor, Dick Kaufman, and 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 Dick used to say, I'm told, when when uh, they would receive new members, uh, that it is as if God wrapped this person up and threw him into our congregation and said, Here, you need one of these. Um, and, and that's, uh, you know, that's absolutely true. I've, I've tried to adopt that language. Uh, I, I'm not as colorful as Dick, but uh, um, it, you know, the best gifts are gifts that we need, right? And, and the best gift givers know what you need. So, so you get a gift that's not only a wonderful surprise, but it's something you can, you really need. And uh, Jesus uh, is someone you and I really need, right? Uh, We absolutely need him. Apart from him, uh, we would uh, still be enslaved to uh, sin and the death that sin brings and be under the condemnation, God's just condemnation. Um, We need Jesus, Uh, And then the third thing about Jesus being a gift is that, you know, a gift isn't worked for, right? A gift isn't earned. I mean, if you're doing that, then it isn't a gift anymore, right? It's payment. Um, If Jesus is in your life now, that's because he was given to you as a gift, Right, he has come into your life as a result of God's mercy, God's grace. Nothing you did, nothing you did, uh, was you know merited uh, the gift of Jesus in your life. And if you don't have Jesus in your life, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. Maybe it's because you've held off because you think there's just no way, uh, because of the things in your past uh, or present that would. Uh, somehow disqualify you from God. It's not about you being qualified for God, right? It's about God giving you a gift, his son, that you really need, right? It's all about God's mercy. It's not about your qualifications. Your, you know, so lay your deadly doing down, right? Stop trying to earn the gift, So first, Jesus is a gift. Second thing that we learn from Isaiah's prophecy here is that his appearance deceives us. Um, Peter was going the same place I, uh, I was thinking uh, this week. Uh, I, as Some of you know who know me, I have a very amateur interest in astronomy and physics. Uh, very amateur because I can't do the math, um, but, I, but I'm fascinated by it. And, uh, and, um, and I recently ran across two, two facts. Some of you probably saw the first one, right? The new Webb Telescope, which has just been awesome, uh, is out there taking pictures. And it just recently beamed back uh, color images of a galaxy cluster, right? A sky full of not stars. You first think they're stars. Each one of those is a galaxy. Right? like the Milky Way galaxy, full of millions of stars, as, as Peter said. They took a picture of this. Now, that in it of itself is amazing, but then you read on and you discover that this telescope can reach far into space and that that galaxy cluster is 4 billion light years away from Earth. Meaning that the light coming from the, those galaxies traveling at 186,000 miles per second takes 4 billion years to get to Earth. Right? I mean, can can you think of those distances? I can't even conceive of those distances. Uh, That's one fact that I've been sort of pondering. The other is black holes, fascinated by black holes. Right, collapse stars. Right, stars collapse, and and become, and, and their their mass becomes super concentrated, and because that all that mass gets concentrated into a small space, gravity, the the gravity, gravitational pull of these black holes is huge, so huge that light doesn't even escape the gravity, which is why they're black holes. Um, th- th- I, I, read, I was reading about black holes, and a scientist said, you know, give you an idea of how concentrated these are, he says, take an average-sized coin. Now, imagine a black hole the size of a coin. He says, that coin would have the, the mass of, of the entire planet, planet Earth. So, you man- so just imagine taking the whole planet and crushing it down into the size of a quarter. That, that's how much mass is super concentrated uh, in a black hole. And that got me thinking about the stable and, and the manger, right? Now, right, you've got a baby lying there in a feed trough. What's a baby, right? Seven pounds, more or less? Uh, 18 to 20 inches long, more or less? But that baby also happens to be, as Isaiah says in verse 6, the mighty God, uh, and and that baby is the same one who created that galaxy cluster four billion light years away, and that was the work of his fingers. Scripture tells that that the heavens are the work of his fingers. It's finger play for God. All of that power, you know, like a, a black hole concentrated into this little baby uh, in the manger. Um, Why is that important? Well, well, it's super important because it reminds us, because it it reminds us that Jesus, for all his humanity, and at Christmas we are often focusing on the humanity of Jesus, but for all his humanity, and it's there, it's pure, 100% human, he is also pure, 100% God at the same time that mysterious double nature uh, of God. But that makes all the difference to us, right? That means that when Jesus lived his life meeting the law, satisfying the ethical requirements of God, which he was doing for you, he did it perfectly because he was human and he was God. And it means that his death on a cross could and did have infinite value infinite coverage, right? It, 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 his sacrifice on the cross had, an, had infinite coverage, an infinite ability to cover anyone and anyone's sins because this isn't just one of us dying, just one more man dying on a cross. This is the God-man dying on the cross. There isn't an, any sin, any sin that his blood won't cover. There isn't any person that his grace can't reach. Third thing about Jesus, that so we've learned what? That he, he is uh, a gift, uh, that his appearance is deceiving. Cute little baby, but pretty scary little baby. Right? Powerful. Um, third, Jesus is what our hearts really long for. Um, you know i haven 't been i confess I have not been uh, one of those people who eagerly look forward to the lord 's return I, I, I really haven 't been and, and, and i I ask myself why why am I, why haven 't I been more uh, eager for the lord 's return and the, and, the, and the answer is really sort of a first world answer it 's because my life has been so by the world standards, so comparatively good, right? So comparatively good and prosperous. I don't long for heaven because I've had it so good here. Now, as I, that's first world. Now, we've got brothers and sisters who are longing for the Lord's return, right? Uh, who, who, who live in grinding poverty, who live under the boot of evil, oppressive Regimes, but uh, you know we've had it. I've had it good here. Uh, But having said that, I'm getting older. Some of you've noticed. Some of you told me. Uh, (laughs) um, And uh, I'm I'm with the years comes wisdom. I hope. I, I think. And increasingly and I'm being honest with you here increasingly I'm waking up to the fact that uh, as good as my life has been and continues to be uh, that my deepest desires the deepest longings of my heart are not being met in this life and in fact earth really can't produce what it would take to satisfy those longings of my heart it's it's you know as you, as you approach you know uh senior citizenship uh those things become more real um I would, I would i've mentioned this before i mean one of the one of the great joys of my life is is sitting around the dining room table with my family um or my friends or both and 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 just ha- having the joy of you know Sharing a meal and conversation and board games and laughing and joking and uh and and i'm all and i'm part of the fun i'm I'm having fun there, but the reality is uh I, I, what i'm experiencing is what what one poet i ran across called bright a bright sorrow you know, sort of on the outside it's bright but but the, but there it's a it's really a sorrow because even as I'm enjoying that time, I'm looking around and I know that at some point there are going to be empty chairs. You know? And some of you said, Ted, would you stop being so morbid? <laughs> but it's true. I mean, we've got to deal with the morbid. And I sit around and I look at their, you know, my parents and my children and my grandchildren, and those chairs will be empty. Someday, and, uh, and, and I realize I don't want to end. And I don't want my family to end. I don't want my friends to end. But this life doesn't have an answer. Earth doesn't have an answer for that. Right? Death is relentless. Right? Death is natural. Beyond that, Like you, uh, like many of you, I get frustrated at the inability of government at all levels to solve our problems. And the seeming infinite capacity of politicians on both sides of the aisle to screw things up. Um, I want peace. I want justice. I want righteousness. I don't want to worry about violence in our streets. Uh, But... Nevertheless, things seem to be not changing. In fact, even getting worse, the callousness of the evil and the violence in our culture uh, is is growing. Um, justice is becoming a political exercise, right? There's just this gnawing feeling that it's not right, but we don't seem to be able to fix it. And many of our problems are coming more dire. You know, we're worried about Uh, the real possibility of nuclear weapons falling into the hands of terrorists. We've got intercontinental missiles being tested uh, even in the last few weeks by regimes that uh, are dedicated to the downfall of uh, our country. And those intercontinental missiles are capable of carrying nukes. You know? Are you having a Merry Christmas yet? I feel a loss of, of, of equilibrium as, as, as my culture, as our culture, sort of more and more distances itself from, its, its from God. And, and we become more, more morally and sexually confused. I grieve for my friends that are making poor moral choices. But what's the world's response? The world's response is to double down. On its moral and sexual depravity, and call evil good there 's no answer. The world has no answer other than to c- celebrate evil is good. Yeah, I eat well, I got to eat well today, and while millions are starving, we don 't seem to have a will to solve that problem. and I just learned this last week that the chips in my iPhone are made from cobalt that come from mines being mined by children cobalt being mined by children being paid a dollar an hour uh, excuse me, a dollar a day uh, in horrendous slave-like conditions what am am I supposed to do? not buy an iPhone? I'm anxious about the world my grandchildren are going to inherit well listen I I don't want to depress you today it's Christmas Day. Why, why am I talk, talking about all of this? Because you're morbid, dead. Um, I catalog all of that to make the point that I, I don't see hope and I don't see answers for the long for my longings in the world. It, I catalog all of that to, 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 to really demonstrate that if, if we're, if we're going to have hope in the face of these sorts of things, we have to look to Jesus. That, and, and it's in Jesus, that's where we find the longings of our heart, the deepest longings of our heart, satisfied. You know, we've already mentioned that he's the mighty God, right? And, and, and we know from what Gabriel told Mary when he said, you're going to bear a son. And she said, How's that, how can that be because I'm a virgin? And, and Gabriel tells Mary, nothing is impossible with the mighty God. Um, there is a lot impossible in this world. There's a lot impossible about the longings of, the deepest longings of our heart that are, that are impossible for the world to meet, to satisfy. But not with the mighty God. With the mighty God, I know that even the future empty chairs around my table and your table are going to be filled again. Right? With our loved ones. In flesh and blood. Because they died in faith in the name of Jesus. He's also, not just the mighty God, he's the wonderful counselor, right? Literally, the Hebrew says wonder of a counselor. He's a wonder of a counselor. And that, that Hebrew word translated wonder is the nearest word Hebrew has for the word supernatural. Uh, so Isaiah is telling us that Jesus, this Jesus brings a supernatural wisdom to bear on, on our planet that is far above the wisdom of uh, human beings. And and man, we see where the wisdom of the world is getting us, don't we? We see where the wisdom of our political leaders is getting us. We need the supernatural wisdom of Jesus. He's also the everlasting father. You know, as you think about the world situation, so much of what happens in the world to us and what comes at us is is flying at us and impacting us and it's in control of people that we don't know who don't know us who probably don't care that much about us who can't be trusted certainly to have our best interests at heart but the fact that this mighty god is also your everlasting father Means that the power behind the powers that be, the power behind the powers that are now operating uh, 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 in, in our culture and on the earth, is in the hands of one who's your father. Right? He knows you, knows you by name. He's lovingly concerned for you. He's committed to your care and to your development, like any good father. At but he's a father who will never go away, right? He won't die. He won't get voted out. He won't self-destruct in some scandal. He's your everlasting father. And finally, he's the prince of peace. And that means, of course, peace, shalom in Hebrew. That means that Jesus is not only ultimately going to bring an end to all war, and he will. There will be no more war. No more violence. Uh, It means that even now, uh, Jesus is a bringer of peace between you and God. So that you are on good terms with God, he's, God has become not this this distant one to be feared, but He's come close in love as your Father. You're at peace with God because uh, of of Jesus. That word shalom too, it really conveys more than a cessation of hostilities. It's shalom means uh, uh, personal well being, means self fulfillment. It means Complete satisfaction. Jesus Christ is committed to your shalom, uh, and ultimately, for you as a believer, that means, you know, not eventually, right? When when the Lord returns, when His kingdom comes in its fullness, there will be for you complete shalom. No tears, no frustration, no anger, no disease, no sin, no pain, no death. Jesus is the Prince of Peace it 's good news that that one with all those names that the government is on his shoulder right it is the government is on his shoulder now again, in, you know Mike talked about Advent being a time of waiting, and that was that 's true the Israel was waiting and waiting and waiting for its Messiah and Christmas is the end of that waiting. Uh, but, it, but Jesus' kingdom is not complete, right? There's still a sense in which we're waiting in hope for the second advent, for, for, God, for Jesus to come back this time not as, uh, as the sacrifice for our sins but as the judge, the judge and redeemer uh, uh, of the world. Um, and, but for now... The government is still, and when that happens, right, back in the future, the gov- then the, he will be the king, the acknowledged king, uh, the government will be totally on his shoulders, uh, but for now that's not, that's not yet complete, right, his kingdom is, is still in process, it's still coming, uh, so right now the Lord is working his will through uh, fallible human beings, very fallible human beings, Right? But listen, you don't have to fear the bumbling or the evil of whatever rulers are in place, right? Whether it's our politicians bumbling along or whether it's the evil of a Putin or the premier of of communist China, We don't have to fear, we don't have to worry that somehow the world's out of control. The government is on his shoulder. The administration of the entire world is under Jesus' wise, sovereign, loving, benign rule. His plan is advancing. His will is advancing. You can rest there. That's good Christmas news, right? And, and just one last thing on this point and before we get to the last one. Remember that the power and wisdom of Jesus looks very different from the power and wisdom of the world. Uh, it's going to look weak to you. It's going to look ineffective uh, to you. It may be sneered at. Maybe you sneer at it. Uh, certainly a lot of people do sneer at it. Uh, but his, his power and wisdom Is very different. That's why he came into a stable to impoverished poor parents. When Jesus employs his power and wisdom to deliver you and me from sin and war and oppression and coercion, uh, his wisdom is not like human wisdom, which is to be more warlike, more oppressive, more coercive, more arrogant, right? If you're going to do that to me, I'm going to do it seven times back to you. Look at the stable. Look at the cross. How how did Jesus win? How did Jesus overcome? Caesar Augustus is long gone. Jesus is still here. His kingdom is still growing. How? How did it advance? By loving, serving Becoming vulnerable, being humble, self-sacrificing, giving your life for others. That's what Jesus did. The world despises that. The world says it's weak, it's ineffective, that we've got to wake up and smell the coffee. But you want to transform the world like Jesus? Then then we follow his wisdom, his power, um, which means that our weakness as we trust in him is really strength. Our leaning on him rather than our own assets is, is really power. Uh, that dying is really the way to living. Now that's, that's not gonna get you a lot of votes these days. I, I understand that. Uh, but Jesus is the mighty God and in the end he'll be standing when all the world's power brokers have long fallen away Jesus will be standing C.S. Lewis poignant reminder in his book mere Christianity and he really this is kind of what he was getting at aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in aim at earth and you will get neither Are you courageous enough, Christian, to join Jesus in his world-transforming mission with his power, his wisdom? Believe in his name. Trust in his death on on, on the cross to pay for your sins. Step out in faith and take up your cross and deny yourself and follow Jesus. It'll transform the world. And we can start with our street, right? Okay, finally, last point. Jesus is not boring. I say it that way because people are telling me that. That he is boring. That, that people are not attracted to Christianity because they find Jesus boring and more specifically, they, you know if, if the reward for Jesus is heaven, then heaven is really boring. Right? Now, of course, what that person is doing is taking his or her miserable life and just projecting it out into infinity. Of course, who would want that? That's 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 not heaven, right? Um, the uh, well, look, look what um, look what Jesus says here, or what Isaiah says here. Um, it's it's a really important word and I've really had not I've kind of just read past it and now I've focused on it of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end now of the increase of his government and of his shalom there will be no end do you hear what he's saying there? It means that life with Jesus now and after we die when we are resurrected by faith and we are part of his kingdom, it means that that kingdom is always like the universe moving out. It's expanding, it's growing, it's intensifying, it's progressing. There is always going to be something new. We will never get to the bottom of the wonder of God and the adventure of following Him and serving Him, I, you know. Don't ask me to describe it; my mind blows. But what I'm saying is that this is not sitting on a cloud strumming a harp, right? This is this is for real. I mean, this is this is this is life in fellowship with the infinite God, the mighty God. The everlasting father. The prince of peace. I mean, how good is that? And you know what? The last line, and I'll close, my last line is Isaiah's last line. The zeal of the Lord of hosts, which means the Lord of the armies of heaven. The zeal of the Lord of the armies of heaven will do this. We can count on all this being true because it's not up to us. God's going to do it. He's seeing it, even now, seeing it done. Amen? Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, this uh, Christmas word. Thank you for the truth about the baby uh, in the stable, Um, an amazing baby, and for all he means to us and for us. Uh, Help us, Lord, as we go about uh, celebrating with our family and friends today to remember these things and to be thankful for them and to recommit our lives to you for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Ted Hamilton, Senior Pastor of New Life Presbyterian Church, Escondido. Please visit us in Escondido, California, or online at newlifepca.com. New Life Presbyterian Church, Escondido reserves all copyrights as applicable by law. Thank you for listening.